welcome to the podcast. Actually, welcome to this podcast episode for the day. Uh, I am still mapping this out in my head because I was lucky enough to have an extremely long conversation with somebody that um, I like a lot. I look up to for the mental health things they stand for and share. And then what this person does now is an important part of our community. I was thinking it was just going to be like a 20, 25-minute convo, slap on a, a monologue at the beginning, and then there's today's episode. But she and I, and I'll introduce her in just one second, spoke for an hour um, about uh, uh, an experimental Panera in Oregon and, and all the things that Oregon has. Um, weather nerd things, including that that treacherous, dangerous uh, inflection point for me, that point place tornado that we had back in the summertime. What it's like to be a mom and juggle that and be somebody that has to be out in the community, especially at a very dirty place like today um, while working for the health department. And her mom is on city council. Uh, she mentioned to me as we were wrapping up that she was uh, stunned, humbled, that I reached out to her a couple years ago Within, it was after 2020, 21, two or 21 or 22, we were having a uh, afternoon, three, four o'clock weather event. And I, Heather and I weren't friends, but saw her post. She liked my stuff, commented. I commented back. Never met her. In fact, today was the first day that I've ever met Heather face to face. Um, But I just buzzed her up. I was like, hey, can you hop on the show today? Like, you know, we do weather reports, but can you be a little bit more, like, can I have you on to talk like when, where, how, why, um, a bit more in depth uh, about this, this weather. And it was probably a, a snowstorm at the time. And she said she was humbled. And I was like, and I was telling her, I was like, I, it's my, it's, I'm the humble one that you came and spent an hour with me here, which we will begin right now. It is nice to meet you in person. Yeah, yeah, you too. It, do you ever have that feeling um, that when you do like a situation like this where you meet somebody after you've, you've known them and interacted with them for so long, it's not like that normal first meeting in person? No, yeah, because I feel like I've, I mean, I've been talking to you for years, but never I face your, to face. I see your kids in their diapers. Yes, I, yes. Congratulations. So, <laughs> I mean, everybody's seen the kids in the diapers though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have so many questions to ask you. Oh. Um, first, how, what is, what's your job at the health department? You just do like marketing and public information stuff? All of it, yeah. So my official title is health communication specialist. Um, but I am also the public information officer. I manage the website, social media. I write the press releases. I uh, do it all. I don't think I've ever spoken to a former meteorologist before. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a such thing as a former meteorologist. Do you still have the bug? Yeah, yeah. You still do. you still weather nerd out? Yes. What do you what do you miss about being uh news at thirteen? Um that whole experience. How long how long you did it for like ten years? No, eight. Eight eight years, but it felt like forever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well you just experience so much that, you know, it feels like it just goes by so fast. But um I miss a lot of things about it. I mean, um, you know, the fast pace of it, the you know, getting to give people information that they really want, but um, yeah, I still get to do that at the health department. So, I mean, I guess that's one thing. What What's it like, though, um, 
being meteorologist and so much as I read on the internet that you've never been right a day in your life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's... You know, you're always going to have those people. And even at the health department, I feel like you still have the people that are like, oh, you're saying this. Yeah, sure. So, you know, that that part of the job has kind of followed me. But, you know, with forecasting the weather, every single individual is going to experience slightly different weather. So to be able to tell somebody you're going to experience this weather at this time at this location, um. There was one point in my career where I was like, where do we get the nerve (laughs) to be able to, you know, try to say for certain? And it was never for certain. You know, there's never a 100% chance or a 0% chance. Um, And that's kind of the toughest thing to be able to tell people, uh, you know, to say, hey, you're going to need your umbrella today, but there's a chance that you might not. Right. You know, people don't want to hear that. Um. If you don't follow closely enough anymore, I understand this might be hard to to answer, but I'll ask you anyway, because it was like an inflection point for me when we had that Point Place tornado, which I recall reading all afternoon, severe storms, typical summer stuff, nothing like that. Um, and And it came like this and left like that. Are we... Is it harder than ever to predict the ferocity and weather events because they can change so quickly like that? Like you, as soon as you, you or Ryan or Ross or anybody, you know, hits tweet, like yeah. it could be an old forecast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in the Point Place tornado, um, I had been out of the business for a couple of months, but I. I was still kind of connected that day. You know, I remember I have I have my my radar apps on my phone and I was looking at them and I'm pretty sure I was looking at the radar when the tornado was on the ground and I was terrified for those people in Point Place. I mean, there was no there was no tornado warning. Right. And you know, I was hoping and I think that I had even texted a couple of my friends at the TV station like, "Hey, you guys are probably seeing this, right? Like, this is crazy." And um, I think they were on the air and, you know, it's a miracle nobody got hurt. Absolute miracle. I mean, I've seen the cell phone footage from when that tornado went through and the damage. And, you know, it's it's hard because we have a lot of technological disadvantages for for this area. And um, it's one of those things where you don't know you need it until it's too late. Right. And so hopefully, you know, it's just, it's kind of one of those things where in the end, whose responsibility is that to bring the technology here or, you know, cause there were a lot of, there's a lot of finger pointing and, you know, the national weather service did this and so-and-so did this. And it's like, you know, meteorologists have a really, important partnership with the National Weather Service where, you know, they're the regional forecasters. Ultimately, they're the authority. But you don't want to step on their toes and say, hey, they're not issuing this warning, but I think there's a tornado on the ground. So, and you don't want to damage that. This seems to me um, like another unfortunate byproduct of of climate change. Um, This was like in in a in a microscopic level. I think everybody's come to realize now that we might have fewer weather events, but they're more severe. Yeah. And that's kind of like all, all over the country. Um, but something like this is 
like nothing I've ever experienced before because I did not see the T word that ends mm-hmm. in ornado mm-hmm. all afternoon. It was no. just storms. Yep. And I think I remember the couple of weeks that came after that event, you had, and it's a very small area, it's a very microscopic kind of uh, phenomenon that happens where you have a lot of this uh, influence from Lake Erie. And I think that that's what played into that as well with that particular storm. And it's very difficult to forecast. Sometimes you expect that Lake Erie is going to have a bigger impact than what it actually ends up happening. And so, you know, I think that that's something that they're more used to over toward Cleveland when they mm-hmm. have the lake effect snow. But for us on this side of the lake, um, you know, you get that wind blowing just right. And all of a sudden, you you know have this storm that really turns tornadic, and it can happen fast. And maybe the National Weather Service wasn't expecting that that day. Right. I don't think there was yeah. a call for any kind of risk nope. like that. that. That's why it seems more evasively fluid than ever. And yeah. you got out at just the right time. I did, right? So, so instead of <laughs> instead of fear mongering with weather, you're vaccine mongering. That's right. No, um, no, no. <laughs> what would uh? What was your favorite moment or favorite story, event? And it could be your lifestyle stuff that you did. Um, what was your, your favorite thing to have done at 13? Oh, I got to climb the high-level bridge. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, one of my coworkers one day, he was just like, you know, it'd be cool if you could go up on that bridge one day and just do a story about what they're doing. And I was like, that's... Super interesting. Maybe. Was, was this when it was under construction yes. and that bridge was closed like 2014, 15 oh, time? No, no. So it was after it had reopened and then they were they had lane closures because they were doing an upgrade with the cables. They were Got putting it. those those pipes around the cables. So I reached out to ODOT and I was like, hey, you know, probably not, but could we do this? And they were like, Yeah, let me talk to some people and we could probably get you up there. And so the PIO from ODOT uh, came up with us, and we climbed all the way to the top, and it was terrifying. What, was it really? Yeah. Was it a windy day? It was windy up there. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and um, uh, no tethers. No tethers. So, if Kimberly Newman or anybody from the Victory Center calls you up, you have to do the uh, down the building thing. Uh, I, you the know edge. what? I've never, I've never been asked to do that. And I'm really grateful that I didn't because <laughs> I'm terrified. I'm terrified of heights, actually. Uh, so I would do it, but I'd be terrified too. It's it's raising money for people fighting cancer. Come yeah, on, I know. How can you say no to people fighting cancer? And and if you go, uh, Dan Smith is like such an adventurer. Like he loves that stuff. Yeah. Like he would stay in. He would stay halfway up that thing all afternoon if they let him. He would probably do like cartwheels down yes. the side of that building. Yes, yes, yes. Um. <laughs> I would guess the answer would be nothing, but nothing is ever nothing or all or never. What would bring you back to maybe not just weather, but news? Oh, what would bring me back? You know, that's it's a really weighted question. And you're right. The answer is not nothing. Um, you know, when I think about all the things about news that need to change, it kind of makes me a little sad. Yeah. Because I don't know if some of the things that need to change will ever change, or maybe even change in time for me to still have a career in TV. Um, you know, when you go into when I went into news when I was in college and I was and I was going for my undergrad, 
everyone was talking about how, you know, news was dying and TV news was going to, you know, go out with a dodo. And it was just, you know, and you did it anyway because you really love that whole field, you know, the rush of being on scene, of seeing stuff. And, you know, you're telling people about these things, you know, that they really want to know about. But it's dangerous and it's scary. And you have to have people who have your back. And I'm not saying I didn't have that because I absolutely did. Um, But you have to have a lot of trust. You have to have viewers who trust you. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust your community. And so there's a lot of things that just kind of weigh you down and wear you out really fast. And I'm really proud that I stuck it out for eight years because there's a lot that I went through. And I wouldn't mind going through it again if I knew that there were... It's really hard. It's really hard to describe. Um, if there, if there was just a way to feel more of that support, more of that, you know, having your back. Of course, you have viewers that reach out and they're like, "Thank you so much for you know going out and doing this. Thank you for telling this story. Thank you for bringing this to light. This is really important." And that's great. And that's what keeps a lot of journalists going. But more of that recognition, I think, needs to be put on the weight that we carry ourselves. You know, I have one Emmy from my time in news. And it was from the day that Anthony Dia died. And that was the hardest day of my career. I didn't even report on it. I was the meteorologist on that shift. And that day was so hard on me as a mom because he, I mean, his last, we all know his last words. And so, tell my family I love them, right? Tell my family I love them. That, uh, that fateful Friday night it was yeah. Friday night, right? Yeah, Saturday morning, Fourth of July. Everyone's coming in. It's so it's a holiday. It's great, and it hit you like a ton of bricks. How did the Emmy come out of that? We so we submitted that show um, as a. As a team, it was a it was a team. uh, It was it was a team. So we had all of the reporters who went to the scene, all of the reporters who were at the press conference, everything, all the interviews, all the coverage, and everything. And it was just me and Tony Geftis in the studio. And I kept asking him, "How in the world are you keeping it together right now?" And he's like, "You just got to compartmentalize." And I was like, "I never want to become desensitized to that." And so that I think that that was kind of my on the horizon seeing okay my time in this is coming to an end because you never want to come become desensitized but if you don't it's going to eat you alive. Yeah. So like I said, I don't know if anything like that is ever going to change when it comes to that uh industry, but I like what I'm doing now and I like the path that it's taking me on and you know I never say never, but for right now uh, I'm in a great place. I'll I will get to that in the okay. new gig in a second. I relate and understand what you're talking about. 
Um, that legacy media is is eroding and, yeah. you know, whether it's radio, TV, whatever it is, there's there's fewer people there and they seem angrier than ever and you can't <laughs> please anybody. Yeah. I, I can relate in the sense that, yeah, by the time you might be ready to go back when the boys are older and stuff yeah. and Zach has uh, uh, an, an armada of Paneras, <laughs> um, it will be so different. Like there, there might not be anything left of it. Certainly not like, like now, I'm talking five, eight, ten years. Yeah. Um, I've been asked, and it's been kicked around. And they're like, "Would you ever do a morning show ever again?" I'm like, "Nope." Yeah. Were, I mean, after COVID, like absolutely not. When I yeah. came over here, I wanted to, you know, rebuild the old morning show. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I I like where I am now. I couldn't if somebody if this were. 2003 and a radio station got put on and you were trying to build a morning radio to build everything around no it's too hard there's there's other ways to to reach people what we do what you did um has changed and will never be what it once was right which isn't a bad thing i mean honestly i mean the whole world has changed since COVID. everybody knows that so you know we have a different job now basically Mm -hmm. you know and and it's not a bad thing, but, you know, you have to adapt. And I don't mind adapting. Um, you know, I'm going back for my master's in strategic communication. And that may take me back to TV one day. Or I might stay doing what I'm doing. I might, you know, who knows. But I do know that I'm going to have to adapt to whatever happens because it's not just media. It's everything. Yeah. Everything is, has changed. So. What do you love about working uh, with the Lucas County Health Department? Um, you know, it's definitely the people. Um, you have to be a very dedicated and very passionate person to work in public health. Um, because you deal with so much hardship Um you deal with people who need things, you know? I mean, you have families on low incomes that need help caring for their new babies, you know? You have uh, you have women who can't breastfeed that need help with that. You have so many different, and there's it would blow your mind, so many different topics that we address and so many issues that we address within the community. And it's such important work, and it blows my mind that I had no idea about it before I got into it. And... The learning that I've done over the past year and all of the things that my eyes have been open to, that's my favorite part. And the passion and the dedication that the people that I work with have, it's it's really inspiring to see. And it's every single day. It really is. Did you notice uh, that you went from one field of science to another? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That, that wasn't necessarily intentional, right? No, no, not at all. No, I, I mean, I thought that I was going to retire from 13. So, I mean, the fact that I even left TV to go to something that wasn't TV was already a surprise. But then to see how much I actually really care about this. And I do feel like I have, you know, enough knowledge about how science works that I can absolutely speak to the things that the health department does. You know, I I remember during the pandemic, I would, I would see all the things that people used to say about us. Now they're saying about COVID and about right. vaccines and everything. And... I really felt for all of the all of the CDC and the ODH people that were just taking the brunt of these people's 
frustration because we, that used to be us. <laughs> we ran the woman who was helping us through the beginning of COVID off the job. Do you remember her name? Yeah, that was... Um, she was the Dr. Fauci yeah, of Ohio. Yeah, we yeah. ran her out. I, we did, and, and she was great. She was. She was. Oh, she was the perfect... Oh, that. Yeah, I remember when she left. That was devastating. And uh, the director, uh, Eric Jasinski, yes. he left or is leaving... Yeah, yeah, he's he's done. He's okay. done. Yep. So do we have like an interim uh, director right now? Yeah, yeah. Shannon Jones is the interim health commissioner. Got it. Yep. T- can you tell me a little bit about, about her and how she might be a little bit different from Eric, who I'm sure was just exhausted from running, <laughs> you know, taking through taking us through COVID here in Toledo. Yeah, yeah. He was the face of the health department through the whole... Thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. Shannon's great. You know, she, she really has a lot of love for Toledo. She cares very deeply about this community. You know, we went out to Ashland Manor Apartments this morning. I'm going to ask you about that. Oh, good. (laughs) But we went out there. She talked to every city official that was out there today. And she was in it. You know, we, we were in the apartment building looking around. And she... she Vomited? (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure she wanted to. Uh, but yeah, she, uh, you know, she really, she looked at everything and I could just tell she was, it's sad, you know, it, it's to see that, to see the people in Toledo are living that way. And she wants that to change. Um, Ashland Manor is one of unfortunately too many properties in the area uh, that is run very poorly. Some people don't have heat. There's roaches, mice, anything that you could possibly imagine uh, living in a hell. It, it's there. Um, I saw that. Uh, is it the health department? Is it you guys that gave whoever runs that place three days yep. to answer yep. where there'll be penalties? Here's here's my fear. <laughs> They, whoever, do you know the name of the company that owns it? Uh, You know what? I don't. I don't. And this is a product of, this is also a product of COVID where a lot of uh, medium-sized corporations and bigger um, bought up places all over the country as properties and they run them from from afar. My fear is that uh, they will rather pay the fines because it might be less costly than doing the repairs. I don't think that that's how it's going to go. I hope so. I don't think it's just a fine. They have to make the fixes. They got to get that trash out of there. They got to they got to get somebody in there to what take care of it. What if they don't though? Uh legal action. Like what kind? Like you, you cuz you're probably talking at like at a state or federal level then. I don't I don't know. So I don't know how the whole process goes specifically, okay. but I do know that um, that courts will likely get involved. But I don't think that we're the lead on that. Okay. So I that would be that would be a city of Toledo thing because there's a lot of code issues. You know, it's it's not just a public health thing. It's a it's a safety thing for all yeah. the people that live there. You know, and so, um, but they'll have so they have seventy two hours, and then we'll have to issue. We'll go back out after seventy two hours. Uh, we'll look, and then we'll issue another, another. Uh, notice, and then they have another seventy-two hours. Um, but I don't, so I don't know exactly where we are with that. I don't know if we've specifically gotten in contact with the owners. I think someone with the city has, um, but that's honestly that's really all I know about it. I look at these these places as like slumlords, and they're they're evil, ruthless, completely <laughs> obstinate um, entities, and they will they will 
take every 72 hours that they can get to the last minute and do the least amount of work possible. I'm sure once they clean all this crap up, it still won't be a very good place to live because they will do the bare minimum. This is this is disgusting. It it was it was really bad. Um, and you know, I I can't speak on. I can't speak on them as a company or anything like that. I just did. It's okay. 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 <laughs> that is not the health department stance. But I will say that, you know, maybe they didn't know. Maybe they are out of state and they just didn't know that these things were happening. Maybe there wasn't a way for the tenants to let management know. I don't know. But what I can say from me personally is that I was very sad to see people living the way that they were living. And I hope that something can happen that they don't have to live that way anymore. My, my eyes on it. I've uh, we've we've gotten some things cleaned up in in the city. Uh, yeah. No pun intended. Um, but this is on my radar now because we have enough. There was just another apartment situation before Ashland Manor that I was reading not not that long ago. Yeah. Um, this is this is a, a problem. I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure the people there, the residents, were they um, happy or was was there some relief to see you? I think so. Good. And Good. honestly, in my years of news, seeing people be relieved that officials are on scene was kind of surreal. Because I didn't see that a lot as a as a news reporter, <laughs> and honestly, I, I even as a news reporter, I didn't see anything like what I saw today. I think there are probably some again uh, opining here, but I read this all over, um, and it's not just uh, uh, apartment complexes it's people who bought condos and homes and stuff like that um i think there are probably some people genuinely out of state didn't know about it not many um but i i think that from what i have read and literally sean Hegarty could be this could be his beat like not just i team stuff yeah. sean could just go crack down on on slum lord uh yeah. slum landlords from all over the country making lives miserable for people here i think that from what I've read, the tenants do their best to try to get in touch. Yeah. But it's like you're calling a phone in a building where no one is or your email address goes to like uh, nobody at gmail.com because yeah. it, it's it's sick and it's disgusting. Yeah. Well, and the, and the problem is too is that, you know, we might go out and there might not be a manager there to talk to. Oh, I'm betting there never is. Yeah. Rarely is. And that's what's difficult is, you know, they're the ones that are in charge. So those are the ones that we need to say, hey, you need to get this cleaned up. But, you know, we do our best. You know, we go through and we'll we'll find the, the registered owner of the property. We'll send them, you know, the information. We'll send them their notice or, you know, whatever we need to do. And we do our due diligence and we'll go back out and we'll see if it's cleaned up or... We might go out there and it's already been cleaned up. I hope so. So, yeah. If not, we're going to send send Sean out there with Shannon <laughs> and it's going to be a full-on assault. I will be yeah. out there yelling because um, a lot of these people, as you mentioned, you're not, in most cases, talking about people who are maybe even like lower middle income. You're talking yeah. about people who, who are, you know, pennies away from poverty in most cases. Or in poverty. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Um, is, is there a, you spoke about some of the things you learned about uh, what the health department did that you didn't know. Is there like a, a, a mission statement for the health department? Because a lot of people like you and, and, and were and me probably think of it as just like a, a big health entity. Like, oh, I can get shots there, I can get condoms. And, you know, is there a mission statement that the Lucas County Health Department aims to provide here for the city and the county? Yeah, I mean, the mission, the mission statement is a, it's either the vision or the mission statement, but it's all the same. We strive for a healthier Lucas County for everyone who lives, works, and plays here. I like and it. It's yeah. It's I think it's a I think it's a big goal, but you got to have a goal to strive for, right? And I think that that's you know that in in a healthier Lucas County can look like a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have programs that work with local park systems to get equipment out there to get people you know moving, nutrition. We've got all all the resources that address almost every aspect of somebody's health. Um, I'll transition with this question into some more personal things that I know you'll be fine uh, answering about because I gave you a little bit of a heads up on it. Mm -hmm. How does the Lucas County uh, Health Department get involved in in mental health or do they leave that to more community entities like NAMI and otherwise? So we do have those partnerships with community uh, entities, but then we also... You know, a lot of the work that we do, it goes hand in hand with mental health. You know, I mean, we have our harm reduction services and, you know, a lot of the clients also do have some of those mental health needs. And so we do give them those resources when they come to us. You know, they're not asking specifically for that, but we always have those resources that we are constantly giving out at, you know, our outreach events and, th- and things like that. We you know, we don't specifically have mental health services at the health department, but we we make sure that people know where to go. Um, I have a COVID question as oh, you as you beat a cold. Well, <laughs> I'll come back to the COVID. Okay. I want you to share what you'd like uh, about being a uh, a mental health advocate and and as I like to call mental health avenger. Yeah, yeah, avenger. Yeah, that's a. I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, mental health. I mean, uh, in in what in what capacity? Every capacity. How how you view it? Um, and I I asked you that question because I didn't think the health department did a, a whole lot with it, but I know it's a passion of yours because you I've watched you become more acutely aware um, of your mental health and tending to that. So that's yeah. just what your personal perspective of it, as especially as a a busy mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, mental health is the lens that you see the entire world through. You know, it shapes your perspective of everything. And if you have any kind of struggle, you know, I personally, you know, I've I've dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety has been a huge impact on my family. And even I struggled with it for a bit. And, you know, mental health does things that mental health struggles, I should say, really has an impact that you don't want it to have on you. You know, I mean, I've got two kids and especially when I, you know, when I had my second son, um, I came back to work and I had postpartum anxiety. And what do you do when you have to go to work and your body tells you you physically can't? Or your mind tells you you physically can't. I often tell people, if you break your leg, you can still probably (laughs) do your job. Sure. But if your brain is broken, as you just described, 
you're not moving. No. You're 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 nearly immobilized, paralyzed. And it's hard because you stop, but the whole world keeps going. And mm-hmm. you can spiral so fast. And having having a strong support system is half the battle. The other half of the battle is getting yourself to accept that you need to ha- ask for help. You know, asking for help is hard because saying it out loud when you have anxiety makes it real and you don't want it to be real. Did you get to the asking for help point when you w- with what you just talked about? Absolutely. Yes. Yep. As soon as, you know, it got to the point I would go to work and, you know, the nature of news, you hear all the terrible things that happen to people. And I had a really hard time coping with it. I got to a point where all I wanted to do was sit in my living room with all my doors and windows locked with my kids in my arms and not go anywhere and not talk to anybody. And I knew that that was not okay to do and that wasn't right. So I was lucky enough to work for a company that offered uh, mental health assistance and I reached out and I get on with a great therapist and she helped me talk through a lot of things. She helped me reframe my perspective and it was a godsend. Great. It was. Yeah. Excellent. I'm glad yeah. they provide that. Yeah. Um back to the covid thing and then back to the personal <laughs> stuff. This is uh this is kind of wild. Uh I know we went through several different strains of of covid and they seem to be uh less potent with each one and then some of us got, you know, vaccines and boosters. Mm-hmm. This one has slayed some people I didn't expect and people who have been have been vaccinated. And I think back a couple of years, if the ferocity of what's going on now with people getting this was a couple of years ago in the COVID time, I think there'd be a serious panic because some people are getting really, really sick. And yeah. I try not to be the everybody's sick person, but... It really feels like everybody's sick. My brother <laughs> and I know I saw that th- this was kind of weaving in yeah. the, the the tridemic. Um cold, like you're battling. My mm-hmm. brother got RSV, not COVID, <sighs> but but COVID's whipping around. Yeah. What's your what's your temperature with all of that? Uh you know, if you're sick, you're sick. I mean, whatever's going around right now seems to be very contagious. Yeah. Uh, You know, I heard that there's a kid in my son's class who has RSV. Um, I I know people who have been uh, diagnosed with COVID. Uh, We have this weird cold that we've had for like a month that gets worse and then gets better and then gets worse again. And, you know, I want to go to urgent care and get tested for flu and for COVID, but the urgent cares might have a really long wait. Yeah. You know, and so, and I've been testing at home for COVID and I've been negative. I test twice a day in the morning and in the evening. Um, And so, you know, I I wear my mask when I'm around people. I make sure that I'm doing what I can to make sure that I'm not getting people sick. Um, But yeah, a lot of people are sick right now. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you got to manage your symptoms. If you're if you're feeling too sick, stay home. I say that, but I went to work with a cold today. Right. But I've got the mask on. I don't have a fever. I'm washing my hands. You know, I'm doing what I can because it's kind of a busy time right now. Um, absolutely. Uh, is 
I haven't seen people getting hospitalized with this, but it Correct. has been pretty nasty this time around. Um, you guys are doing vaccinations at the health department. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we we have the we have the COVID vaccinations. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head if we accept uh, appointments or walk-ins, but you can always just call ahead and just double check. Um, but yeah, we have the vaccinations and then you still have all the pharmacies, the doctor's offices, the urgent cares. Um, and those are probably the, the best places to go if you especially need to be tested mm-hmm. uh, because they do the reporting. They do, you know, they, they give you all the recommendations. Is, I am, uh, I guess, a bit dismissive of, of testing um, in the sense that like what good can it really do? I mean, if you're sick, you're sick, whether it's RSV or COVID or just a nasty cold. Sure. I mean, you just want to treat the symptoms. And we did learn, some of us learned through COVID. <laughs> some of us learned a couple of things through COVID. Wash your hands. Um, like, you're just going to have to deal with the symptoms because an antibiotic or something like that is not going to work. Right. Yeah. And I know that they have treatments for people who are very ill. The Paxlovid we were doing, I think. I think so. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what's... what the current uh method is but you know yeah it's it's good for you to know what you have but tracking it is very important so maybe not for you personally to know like yeah i got covid but for us to know because we got to know how it's spreading right we got to know where we stand as a community because you know if you know, if the hospitals are packed or if the urgent cares are packed, you know, you got to be able to, you know, I'm a mom. I've got two kids and they get sick constantly in yeah. the wintertime. It is just a constant marathon. Last year we were in urgent care once a week. And so if there's somebody that can let me know ahead of time before I get my kids all packed up that, hey, urgent cares are on a five hour wait. Everyone's sick right now. Everyone's got COVID or everyone's got this, you know. To be able to be told that ahead of time is helpful. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, just knowing where the community stands is, is a huge part of public health. So will Mom Heather ever ring up whatever urgent care you uh, have a membership at and go, <laughs> hey, it's Heather. When are we one of the boys in? Blah, blah. And they're like, we're backed up. So maybe another time you ever make that phone call? That is a really good idea. I never think about it beforehand. Because you're anxious. You want to take, get the boys healthy. Yeah. If I decide, if I make the decision, all right, we're going to urgent care, it's get your coats on. We're going in the car. Right. It's not, oh, well, I should tr- call ahead. You know, I, I'm i a planner, but not when, you know, I we just we just go. I can totally relate, um, not personally, but anecdotally and through through accurate anecdotes my family back home um my brother paul his wife tracy they have uh they have a phoenix phoenix is 12 and my niece noel is two and a half now that house even before covid was always sick and like contracting germs um but noel began daycare over the summertime and it's just been like one cold after another and you know the deal like it cycles through Mm -hmm. paul gets it phoenix gets it tracy gets it noel gets it and by the time paul's feeling better you know he's got a new thing yes yeah yeah. (laughs) it it is it is the petri dish of all petri dishes yes yes and that was i think that was one of our last uh trips to the urgent care was well he was feeling better but now he's got this going on and they're like yep he's getting over this virus now he's got a new virus and i'm like what do we what do we do and they're like oh well just you know give him the cough medicine or vix or you know whatever and you know send him on his way my my son last month my oldest uh had croup what the hell is that 
it's uh, just a really bad cough. Mm. And he's still got the cough. Even this morning, I was like, how you feeling, bud? And he's like, I have a cough. And I was like, are you sick? And he's like, no, but my cough's still really bad. And I'm like, do you remember the doctor saying you'd have that cough for a while? And he's like, yeah, and I still got it. And I'm like, okay. Because he, this is his first week back to school since Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just waiting for him to come home or to get a call that he's got a fever or he's got an upset tummy. And, and, uh, my, um, my in-laws, uh, my brother-in-law and his wife, they just had a baby and she is going to be a week old on Friday. And they called me and they were like, Hey, come over and meet the new baby. And I was like, I'm not going to see you people for at least a month. I was like, I want to. But your baby was born in the middle of RSV COVID flu season. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really sorry. And they're like, no, no, no. We, we appreciate that. And I was like, don't let anybody come over. Just lock your doors. FaceTime everybody. Don't let anybody come over. Hold the baby up to the window. Yeah. Lion King style. <laughs> and we that's yeah. how we were seeing grandparents the right. first couple months of COVID. Right. Yeah. Bring that method back because we, uh, yeah. Um. So okay, so so Oregon stuff. You're 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 an Oregon resident, resident, right? Yes. Okay. Um, pick any of these you want to talk about that that are a touch point for you. Um, you're you have Tarda there now. Yeah. Your mom is on city council. I got she that is. right, right? Yeah. Um, the town center. Yeah. Is coming along, and and we'll eventually get to Zach's Panera, which is a unique Panera. It is. It so is. hit any of those for me that you'd like. Oh, let's talk about Panera. Okay. Yeah. All right. Panera. It's a different. It's a different Panera. Yes. Very much so. Zach's and like, I don't want you sitting. And Zach is your husband, by yes. the way. Um, it, uh, it's almost like a, um, not an experiment. Uh, no, but it kind of is. It, it is. Kind of is. Yeah. It's a test store. No sitting in there, right? No sitting. No okay. sitting. There aren't even chairs for you. Well, maybe there's a couple chairs. No, I don't think there's even while you're waiting for your food. Uh, yeah. No chairs. No dining. Um, it's. Uh, it's interesting for sure, um, but it seems to be going really well. The people and I've I'm on the community page, and you know people like to talk, and but it's great. You know, you order on the app, you go through the drive-through, you pick it up. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to give anybody your card, your cash. You just it's it's all super easy, hands-off kind of stuff, and it's great, and it's working out for him very well. He's got a lot better of a handle on um, keeping business running smoothly. Uh, you know, he's got he's got a really great staff. Um, it's great. It's a Good. really it's a really awesome. And honestly, you know, right before they right before they opened it, they sent him to St. Louis to do some training because they're also opening a test store similar to this one there. And it's it's great. It seems like it's really working out. He's you know it it makes a lot of sense. But there's just some people that are just kind of stuck in their ways of I want to go sit down at a at a restaurant and you know take my time, take my lunch there, and you know that's just not what this is. It's people will, will complain about anything, yeah. but it's like you didn't even have a Panera there before. We didn't. Why are you complaining about not being able? Anyway, <laughs> and, and Oregon has had this this boom yeah. of commercialism. Things that are things that I never thought would be there. I almost fell off my chair. I thought I was being lied to when I was told that um, Oregon got a Planet Fitness. Yeah, I never thought one would be there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting, and and uh, no complaints there that I've seen. It's right, you know, right. great. It's great. Uh, also. 
there's a couple other new things, and you would know them more than I would off the top of my head. What else is new over there? Uh, is there another Starbucks that I see? There's no. uh, oh, we have Culver's. That's Culver's. still kind of new. new. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that Culver's. Oregon basically has everything but this. Do you know what I'm thinking of? And and you um, should... a UPS store. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I tell my mom that all the time. I'm like, I need a UPS store so I don't have to drive to Toledo or Perrysburg. What uh, <laughs> What else would you like? I would love an Olive Garden. Okay. But they're coming that yes. I've heard. Yes, yes. I've heard that. Okay, what else? Um, Target would be cool. That, that's the one. <laughs> like, that's the holy grail. Yeah, and yeah. And I, I don't understand why one is not over there. That's a Target question. That's not a city question. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, yeah. if, if there's ever a, a, a page where everyone could be on the same page on Facebook, yeah. it would be bring Target to Oregon. Because yeah. you, you got to go to Walmart or pop up to the Mire in Northwood mm-hmm. Rossford. Yeah, uh, North. Well, I think it's technically Oregon, but you gotta like drive through like a little sliver of right. of Northwood. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I shop. I love I love Meyer. Um, the town center. Yeah. Since your mom is on council, this mm-hmm. seems like a pretty exciting project. And if I'm if I have this right, it's gonna be where the old Kmart yeah. was. Yeah. Next to the hospital, right? Yes. Uh, a little bit. I guess it'll be like a sister development to the. Woodville Mall one where mixed use. Uh, I think so. A little bit of retail, a little bit of commercial, a little bit of living. I think there's some residential. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, you know, they're they're really excited about it because you know Oregon has always kind of been a little decentralized. You know, you have the main strip on Navarre Avenue, but then you kind of go got to go off the beaten path to go down to the to the the city offices, and that's not a bad thing. There's a lot of cities that are like that, but you know we. We want to, we want to put together our identity. You know, we want to bring it all together. We want to, you know, have a place that everyone can come to. You know, and I think that Oregon residents want that. I'm sure that that's what the city wants. I'm sure everyone, wa- you know, everyone wants the same thing. But you know, we're living in some weird times. You know, you've got you've got a lot of things that are taking a long time, and you know, I. My take on everything is that I think people just don't know how some of these projects work. I think that, you know, the process is kind of one of those elusive things where it's like, you know, you know who is working on the project. So if something goes wrong, those are the first people you think about, you know. And so I'm just kind of, you know, I'm excited for what's going to happen, but I don't know. And even, you know, when I talked to my mom about it, she's like, you know what? The city is ready for it, too. So they're they're waiting right along with us. I don't hear of a lot of drama within, like, Oregon doings as um, Perrysburg and Maumee and Sylvania. Those places are a little bit bigger. Uh-huh. But um, I, not that there isn't drama, but I, I think it was very thoughtful and intentional and just smart to do this town center. And I don't know if it was the mayor or said it, who said it, or somebody did. Um, and they, like what mommy was trying to pull off with Uptown, mm-hmm. like we we need a downtown. For I know Uptown is, is Uptown, but we need a downtown. I mean, you've got yeah. cities all over Northwest Ohio from Finley to Tiffin making these art-centric places where people can convene. And it's usually because of the way these cities are set up or towns, 
It's a downtown. Yeah. And they're revitalizing it. But Oregon doesn't have a downtown. Mm-hmm. So I like the angle of like, well, we just knock over the Kmart. Let's just make up <laughs> an, an off-center downtown yeah. with the town center. I love the idea. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be super great. I mean, it's in, a, it's in a really great spot. You know, we've got so many great things on Navarre Avenue. And we, we have so much room to grow, you know? Like, there's so much opportunity for things to come here. But for a business to want to invest, you just have to have... Something, you know, they they don't want to be the sole thing that people are coming to town for. You you know, like Target, they's, you know, the Target in Rossford, you've got so many other things around it too. That's just, you know, you, they don't want to be the only draw. Right. So I, that's my take on it. I only went once and it was uh, appropriate that it was New Year's Day. Um, so managing a hangover. I do miss the freeway diner. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I do. I went there a lot in high school, and my husband and I had our first date there. What did you each get? Do you remember? I think I got uh, I got mozzarella sticks, okay. and I don't think he ate. It uh, was an after work kind of. Let's go hang out and get some food. Did you Did you go to Clay? Yeah. Okay. Go Eagles, right? Yeah. They're doing some fun things there. Uh, I don't often get into them. They, not that they're off the beaten path, but. No, they kind of are. Okay, they are. But they're in their own <laughs> little world. But when I see them doing cool things like outside of standard curriculum, I make sure to make mention of it because yeah. they are doing some some Penta-like things out at Clay. Oh, yeah. Well, they, I mean, they've had the career tech classes for as long as I can remember. You know, they had a lot of, they had a lot of really great opportunities there for students even when I was there. Um, what kind of stuff? Your mom's been on council since 2019? Did I get that right? No. Oh, like, did she just a get elected? Long time. Oh, okay. No, it's been ten years. Got it. Okay. Ten years. Yeah. I read uh, the term that she was serving on the that started, city page. I think, in nineteen. 19. Yeah. So what? Uh, what got her into wanting to do that? Why the heck does she still stick with it? Because it's it, going through the COVID times, very grading. Yeah. What is her civic call to duty that's got that keeps her getting up every day? I think it was a drive to create a safe place for her family you know uh we i grew up on corduroy road and uh it's a it's a very busy uh rural road and um one of the first things she did was um she petitioned to have the speed limit reduced um we have a tornado siren in our front yard (laughs) um and that was because we had a tornado come through and my parents didn't uh, they didn't hear the sirens. To be fair, and I have to say this, do not rely on tornado sirens while you're inside. They are an outside warning only, but they had no warning. They didn't know that there was a tornado warning. And by the time they got to their basement door uh, was when the wind really picked up. And so they were like, we couldn't hear the sirens. So uh, she got one installed in the front yard. Excellent. Yeah. Um, a big accomplishment. Yes. Does yes. it go off, Does it go off once a month for yep. testing? Yep. Are you Are you home? That's got to be. I uh, loved it. I really? loved it growing up. Yes. Oh, I loved it. I remember I would stand outside. It was very loud. Most people are tired. Don't want to hear their parents yelling at them. You have a tornado siren going yep. at you. Yep. Um, last thing, unless you want to cover anything else, and thank you so much for the time, because I know it struck you emotionally as well. Um, would you like to share any of your interactions with uh, Private Ray, with Butch, Absolutely. who passed away stunningly, sadly, on January 1st? I was shocked and devastated, and honestly, I still am. Um, you know, as a media person, yeah, I worked with him a lot. Um, 
my last day at 13 ABC was a story that I uh, had set up through him um, for home heating safety. And I remember he asked me, he's like, yeah, you guys are doing the tree lighting on uh, the 18th. And I was like, yeah. He's like, am I going to see you out there? And I had already knew it was my last day. And I was like, um, I don't know. Maybe. Probably. We're doing it right. Um, and then the next time I saw him, I was like, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, that was pretty close to your last day. And I was like, that was my last day. And I was like, the tree lighting was on my 30th birthday. And I decided that I wanted to be done so that I could celebrate my birthday. And he was like, wow, good for you. That's fantastic. And um, through the health department, um, I did a class for uh, PIO training. And he took the class uh, with me. It was It's through um, the EMA and through FEMA. And so when he walked into the class, I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, I just like to, you know, get refreshers. And, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm doing the job the way it's supposed to be done. And I'm like, you? And, uh, you know, it was cool. We we ran a, a mock press conference and I just I learned a lot from him. And um, he was he's. If I stay as a PIO for the rest of my career, I want to be him. You know, he was just this calm human. I, um, one time I, I did a video project with um, Toledo Fire ahead of our mobile roundup event back last March. And um, he had handled a suicide a couple days before and I was talking to him about it because their crews had been out had been out there for hours it was really it was you know bad weather it was just it was really uh brutal for them and I was I was talking to him about it and he was like yeah he's like it was it was not a good scene and he you know we talked about it and and the emotion you know when I talk about the desensitizing yourself to that stuff in media he was never desensitized he really cared about the community and he cared about the people that he worked with and I don't want to ever lose that I didn't know him nearly as well as you I just met him um, when Allison started and he came in uh, with Allison and with my friend Alex I'm like I don't know if I have enough mics for you he's like I'll just be over here and um, from there on out whenever I needed to connect he was always responsive with email I ran into him one year at Comic Con with his sons I'm like oh now you're really a winner yep Um, (laughs) helpful responsive and and I always get I'm always careful these days because we never really know anybody like I didn't want to glowingly speak of him not knowing him as well as you and then have something horrific come up Um, and and thankfully it it did not what it was quite the opposite of that it was stories like yours and and so many of them because public information officer you're out with the public all the time um, talking to people in, in the media and I'm glad to see all the stories and the recognition and the memorializing. And um, I think the, the last Thursday or, or so, I do my show differently than ever before. It's it's news and entertainment, sure. um, you know, local things, because if you want to do your Kendall Jenner stuff, it's anywhere you want. Yeah. But we lost an important part of the community. And I remember being a, a bit stern with my comment on the air. I'm like, if you didn't think this was this guy was a beloved man 
try to get try to get around Central Toledo or try to get around UT and, oh, yeah. and Savage this weekend. Oh, yeah. I was like, hello, this man. The memorial is at Savage. This is not a cemetery or anything. This is an enormous deal. We lost yeah. a pillar of the community. That, yeah. that good for him. He was so humble and modest. Oh, he was. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I sat there because I I went to the service on Saturday, and listening to everyone talk about how calming he was. Talking to the media is terrifying. Yeah, being the media is terrifying, but talking to them is just. And so you know. I have a lot of respect for this job and to hear how someone who held the same title that I have now, to hear him being remembered for that job and for how he contributed to it was, I, I learned so much from him just that day. And, you know, I, I have his. I have the little pamphlet that they um, handed out. I have it in my office because he is who I look up to. <laughs> Not to sound super cheesy or anything, but it's true. It's true. Excellent. We're done. Unless oh. you want to add anything else. No. Off the no. hot seat. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome.